Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Token Games Podcast. I'm your host and sometimes referee, Zach Stapp Pearson. And today, I'm joined by he who watches the wall even after the final season, he of House Targaryen, a one swag dragon. The wall whispers into my soul and it tells me that this podcast can surpass any podcast in supremacy. I legitimately cannot wait till you become a voice actor. Thanks. Yeah, I remember somebody on YouTube was looking at you to do some lines. Um, and today we're joined by a special guest uh, hailing from, I want to say, New York City. Is it New York City? Or you just work there? Uh, I mean, I, yeah, like, I don't know. I guess, like, if you're splitting hairs, like, I'm from Pittsburgh, but I've lived in New York for 15 years. It's been, you know, it's been my home. It's been where I've built my life, so... I call New York home. I would say I'm from New York. If I, met someone, yeah. I can hear shuffling the decks already. That's why I muted myself because I didn't want to make noise shuffling. And then it messed up all of the audio. We have a very, very, the way I look at it, epic person. Uh, let's see. Emily and MCG. So, Emily, why don't you tell them a little bit about what you do and what you're into? Thanks, Zach. Happy having me today. It's so good to be hanging out with you and Swag. Um, I am, I like to myself a recovering Broadway publicist and tarot reader. So, I'm a tarot reader and I spent a long time working on Broadway, um, doing PR for Broadway shows and things in a Broadway community. So, it's a... Uh, that's why your city is home. So is there anything you're currently working on that you can discuss? I'm not really sure if Broadway stuff is ever private or not. Yeah, I'm working right now on a fun show that is a holiday show off Broadway called A Sherlock Carol. And it's a mashup between a Sherlock Holmes kind of vibe and a Christmas Carol. And so Sherlock Holmes is solving the mystery of Scrooge's death which is um, really fun because it's Scrooge at the end of life and not the Scrooge we meet in A Christmas Carol. It's not like the, you know, really like being by life and like miserly kind of old, like after he's transformed. So it's fun to see that character like that. And then it's Sherlock Holmes' is one that's Scrooge free transformation and like goes through that Christmas Carol journey. Um, and it's, it's a lot of fun. So I've been enjoying that. And um, yeah, I'm like doing, I've been working on a Broadway tarot deck, my own tarot deck, created uh, and inspired by Broadway characters. So all the different archetypes that you find in the tarot cards, I've been sort of mining the musical theater canon for them to put together a deck. Which, um, which has been fun. I'm, I'm enjoying the process. It's definitely a process. <laughs> well, I'm sure this yeah. Insane. Also, for those who are listening, there will be links in the description. Uh, we were in pick. It was so exciting. Yeah, like, uh, um, I, I honestly wish there was, they, well, we respected Broadway as much as we claim we do in Chicago. Don't get me wrong. 
It's great here in Chicago. Well, yeah, uh, we'll just—I uh, don't know what I'm gonna call this one on on uh, Spotify. I'll call it probably surviving 105 degree temperature parentheses. Why am I still alive? That sounds like a good place to start. Um, all right. So first off, let me just give a little bit of a medical precursor. I'm one of those people that grew up around smart parents, unfortunately. And I don't say that I wish my parents were stupid. Jesus Christ, no. I've seen the children of stupid parents. My thing is, is just that. I'm one of those people who didn't really realize the knowledge I was given until I started getting around other kids and also adults and realizing what they didn't know. So for those who don't know, my mother um, and is one of the people, though, don't get me wrong, me and her have our issues, but I honestly feel like she's one of the bravest people in her era to go into the medical field. My mother used to be a nurse, but she was specifically a nurse in the era when you could get away with doing anything to a minority, anything. She was a nurse, but they made her deal with patients that were coming off of drug crazes three to four times her height and weight because they didn't want to call the Caucasian orderlies over to help get people down. And this is when the job of an orderly was kind of sort of new. They weren't even called orderlies at the time. They were just guards or medical guards. And she stuck it out until eventually, well, she changed careers and got into the federal government and was treated a lot nicer. But, you know, progress is progress. It's never instant. It's always slow. So she taught me a lot of medical information but there were some things that were left out, but it was because there was no way anyone thought I would encounter them. Now, my father's a little bit different. <sighs> it's weird, but my father is possibly originally the original simp. And before anyone jumps down my throat, given the fact that he's old as dirt, what, what I mean by that is instead of letting women walk over him, he was too trusting of his first wife. Even when his own children and his neighbors told them she was cheating on you, you fucking idiot. He didn't believe anybody until he literally caught her. However, he learned his lesson and he was a great father to my sisters and my brother. Yeah, they butted heads sometimes, but it's going to happen when you raise kids. And then he had me last. I am actually the last of nine kids on my father's side. But most people don't think or know that or even ask me if I have siblings because I give off that only child vibe, whatever that even is. So I know when I have a medical problem or I know when I'm facing something, I know to go to a professional. However, here's where I screw up. If something hits me slowly over time, I'm one of those people who might wait until it's too late. I don't ignore the pain. I don't register it as a problem until it becomes severe or chronic. That's bad because you're supposed to be preemptive about, about your health. So that's why I got screwed over. But uh, I'll provide links and pictures where I can to this story because it's going to be interesting. So for those who may or may not remember, your boy was trying to work at TSA. At this point in October, this would have been the third time I would have been a federal agent. So yeah, I'm very familiar with government regulations and all that jazz, right? Now, <laughs> one day on the way to work, because my schedule became out of my control and I was not given any control of it because I found out quite literally that, oh, when they told me on the phone, oh, you can control your schedule once you get in, 
it was kind of sort of like a double entendre slash half truth. You can change your schedule. See, I was listed as a part-timer. I only signed up for a part-time position. I did never applied for a full-time position. You can't switch between those until half of a year has passed. Or if it's you get a special emergency change, you can still only do it once you have completed your basic TSA training, which usually takes two months. So speed forward to the end of October. I'm getting ready to go back to uh, part two of my training. I had the on-site training already. There's two, two, there's four layers to it. There's classroom, then on-site practice. Then there's a classroom again, and then a final on-site practice. I'm getting ready to finish up my final on-site practice if I'm lucky. And they filled up my uh, training book with my hours correctly, right? However, on the final week, the right, right before the final week of on-site practice, a rapist decided he wanted to get on the train and, well, try to rape somebody. I didn't like that very much, and neither did my fist. And the guy on the other side of the train's fist, and the other guy on the side of the train's fist, too. So, yeah, we basically jumped his ass. And this is on the way going to work. Now, let me see if I can go and pull up that stuff, because I wanted to make sure my bosses didn't try to say I was lying. I don't have a, you know, being a douchebag record at work, but I want to make sure they understand that, hey, I was not, and nor would I ever make up something like that. Because they noticed I was walking with a limp for the whole day, or at least a third of the day. And I'm going to give you guys a link to the that particular day slash incident. I don't know if you can see it, but I'm going to also put it in your direct inbox, Emily. Wow. Again, on the way to work. Now, don't get me wrong. I've been riding the train to New York, um, California, Chicago, practically since I was six or seven. Never have I ever come across this. In broad daylight, in the morning, too. So, yeah, there's the link. It's in the texting page. Um, So, uh, this tall dude who I don't know says, hey, man. They give out awards for that. I was like, bro, I don't care about no award. I just want the dude to get arrested and hopefully she can get charged with something by that girl. She did not deserve that. Mind you, he didn't succeed and I made sure of it. Um, Here's what happened. So I hit the emergency stop button thingy and we're all wrestling this dude off of her. And unfortunately, the train conductor opened the door right as we're all like bum rushing this dude and separating his hands from off of her. And we're noticing he's trying to fight and grab the other people pulling them off of him too, right? So there's literally a six person ball. Now when he, this direct, the conductor opened the train, guess whose knees landed directly on thick ass concrete. That's right. We rotated just enough when the door opened so everybody's weight came on my knee mind you it was only from like maybe three seconds that's six people which means it's over 400 pounds on my knee my right knee was so messed up i literally peeled through my skin layers on my kneecap oh my god yeah so um thank goodness you were all there yeah, like, and here's the thing. I'm on the other side of the train in La La Land with my headphones on. I don't even notice anything until I just hear, I need a man. 
I was like, is somebody drunk on the train? And I stand up and I look, I was like, oh, hell no. And I darted from the other side of the train. It's like, okay, let's get this dude. So we stayed on him for a good 10, 12 minutes. He was wet, unfortunately, on the part that I was holding down um, until the cops showed up. And uh, the video I have, as you can see from the link, is right when we were starting to be able to get the cuffs on this crazy bastard. Yeah. Wow. So I go to work and here's the dumb part or here's the scary part. Uh, the place I worked at was called ORD. Now, if anybody knows, um, OR, uh, all airports in North America or most countries have a three letter acronym. But ORD is very special. And I'm going to tell you why. It in and of itself is almost a tourist attraction, but it's listed as a class X airport. Swag, do you know what class X airport means? Is it like um, similar to like first class or something? You're not too, too wrong. This means that it is a considered a premier airport and that its growth and property and landmass is ever expanding meaning that it's always in a state of growth. They're always um, putting down new areas that connect to different terminals. Literally, this airport has not stopped being constructed on since like the 70s. It's extremely popular. The irony, it's not in the fucking city. People think it's in the city because they say, oh, it goes to Chicago. Well, Chicago has a lot of big, giant suburbs, even though they have few people in them. ORD is technically in a place called Rosemont, Illinois. But Rosemont, as big and famous and as much stuff as it's got around it, has never even had a five-figure population in like close to 20 or 30 years. They've only got 7,000 people. But because of the airport, they have at least a six-figure amount of people coming through every single day or every single month. Funny how that works out. However, <laughs> I got told to go and file a report. Again, remember, this incident didn't happen at work, but I have to file a report. I'm thinking I have to file a medical report and prove that my knees messed up. So we rolled my pants up and well, um, I'm a Creole, but I'm more in the Twix Nutella tint, as you two may or may not know. And my kneecap, besides being bloody, was also white skinned. So I literally went through all my skin layers at some point on my knee. And they was like, oh my God. yeah, it wasn't fun. So, so they was like, yeah, you're not going to be on the floor today. I was like, man, don't send me home. I just got here. I mean, I limped here, but I just got here. So it was like, okay, we're going to need you to file another report. Like, what do you mean? Okay. So that was a verbal report. But what we want you to do is we want you to use um, certain computers in a certain space. There are some things I can and can't tell you. I know it sounds like the biggest TV cliche, but literally classified information is classified, but they wanted me to do a report in a certain area, in a certain place on certain machines. And I went and did it. However, the distance from where I was at and where I was supposed to work that day and that machine is roughly almost half of a mile. They didn't give me no chair. They didn't let me use the electrical disabled wheelers and nothing. I had to limp all the way there. They were like, I know, right? Then when I got in there, these machines were taking a long time to boot up. So even though the report might take me five, 10 minutes, it ended up taking close to almost half an hour. So then my manager happens to come in there with some supervisors and an HR person. 
because, well, they wanted to basically nail somebody who wasn't me to a wall for doing something. And it terrified me because the only time you see those three simultaneously go after somebody is when you're in deep, deep trouble. They're nice ladies. I honestly respect them. I don't think they secretly hate me or anything, but if I ever end up working at TSA again, I wouldn't mind working under or with people like them again. But they was like, did you finish your point? I was like, uh, the computer took a while and um, I'm, I'm finishing it. So now we're all leaving, but obviously I'm limping. So they're all going to go ahead of me. So now I got to walk back. Then they tell me, hey, you're not going to work on the floor today. We're going to send you downstairs, but you can use the elevator. I was like, thank you. You're going to send me to sit on, sit in a chair all day. Yes. I was like, thank you. Cause my, my knee in my knee is going to thank you. So I go downstairs and they send somebody with me and I let them know what's going on. And I was like, man, am I in trouble? Are they going to kick me? He's like, bro, you're going to be perfectly fine. You have nothing to worry about. I mean, I hope you're right. I'm the new guy. I'm not trying to get in trouble for nothing at all. Then literally not 20 seconds after I say that. We get a, a call on the radio saying, hey, uh, we need Pearson to come up here. Uh, it's urgent. Send him up. We'll send down a replacement. Bro, you want me to walk again? Oh, my God. So I get up. I go to the elevator. And they tell me, okay, they want to meet you in the, uh, the manager's office. Here's the thing. The, the manager has three offices. <laughs> and they don't know which one she's in. So I go to the wrong one first. And when I go over there, they say, oh no, she's in the one furthest down. So now I've almost walked two miles on my knee. No wheelchairs, none of the elderly electric giant carts, metal carts, nothing. And it looks weird because I'm TSA and they see me limping around like a zombie. I've even seen people pass me and say, hey, Pearson, how you been, bro? Are you okay, man? Why aren't you sending up? Uh, You didn't sleep well last night? No, I beat up a rapist on the way to work and he messed up my knee. (laughs) <laughs> but what really happened? And in my head, I'm thinking, man, fuck you. Why would I joke about something like that? But also I'm the new guy. I haven't logged 30 days at this job. They don't know if I'm messing with them or not. And I, I just let it roll off. And I was like, no, that actually happened. And they want me to come to the office for some reason. Like, oh, well, hey man, I hope you get better. And hey, good job, bro. I was like, hey, thanks. Thanks. So I hobble my ass over into this office. <laughs> I shit you not. First thing she says to me is that, hey, in your report, you said that the police uh, came and got this person, right? It's like, yes. Oh, well, we want you to talk to um, our head of police uh, for, for this airport, uh, Roberta. I was like, oh, okay. Is there is there a problem? Am I in trouble? No. Why would you be in trouble? I don't know, man. Y'all keep making me do reports and stuff. And I'm the new guy. Don't worry. I'm not going to say that too many more times. So I talked to Roberta and Roberta wants me to give a verbal report. So now I've given the same report three times over in one day. And I'm basically accumulating miles of walking. Because remember, if you look up ORD online, ORD is a huge airport, huge. And we're never stopping growing. We're so big. We literally have buses that go around the building 24 seven just to get people to different terminals. That's how you know your airport is big. sounds like it was a really traumatic experience yeah i was uh, like i'm i'm happy that the girl is okay but i'm like legitimately scared but also annoyed which i don't know if there's a word for that because here i am trying to do my job worrying about possibly losing it 
after I just got it. And at the same time, y'all keep aggravating my notated physical condition I'm under. Um, it doesn't sound like a health place to be. No, don't like I said, like, don't get me wrong. Like, I, I understand that they're not used to doing a report for a situation like this. Most incident reports are physically in the building. So I get it. But what's annoying me is that everyone is just totally acting like I can walk normally without pain. So I tell her everything I know. She asks me, okay, uh, do you remember what L station stop this is? Do you know if someone filed a report? Is the girl filed a report? Uh, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, what the f I, I know I answered all this, but okay, Miss Roberta, here you go. This is the information, blah, 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 blah. And then it's like, okay, you're good to go. We're going to keep you on light duty until we get medical confirmation that you're clear to normal work. So I'm like, okay, thank you. Then I hobble my ass back downstairs and go sit in that chair for the rest of the day. Obviously, going to the doctor was important. So I was made to fill out a, a paperwork, letting them know, hey, I'm gonna, you're going to be given this day off to go get medical stuff. And once you get it, I know it's hard to access your government emails, but here's my regular email. And I also got her number. Send it to me. And we'll go from there. And I was like, oh, well, I appreciate that because I told her and they know, hey, look, I'm not trying to do a bad job at my a bad job at my job. I'm not trying to make this any difficult or lesser for anybody. If there's a protocol, I want to try to follow it because we, we all look, I ain't got to remind people about 9-11. 99% of the people who get on a plane are trying to land on the plane. They're not trying to crash it. But I know this is a job that needs to be taken seriously because it only takes one person to ruin a bunch of people's day and lives. So I'm perfectly fine with this until they clear me for duty. So I go see my doctor and it was like, yeah, yeah, you are not going to be doing nothing. I am not going to let you go to work. I'm going to make a statement. You need to be off this thing for at least about five to six days. And you need to pick up special medication in case you might have an infection. But you're also going to need to cover up the injury. I was like, and try not to wear pants. Like, okay. So I sent uh, one of my supervisors and my manager this email. And I said, okay, this is what she said. Please let me know what I need to do next if there's anything I need to do. Manager goes on vacation. Now, let's uh, move through time a little bit. So, we're going to go back to, I want to say, December 6th. I started noticing that my heart rate was very, very high. And I don't mean like I feel like I got a clog in my arteries. I feel like my heart should not be palpitating this fast. But unfortunately, I have a unique genetic or medical situation. It's not a disability. Um, but there are two things that are irregular in my body, and that is my lymph nodes and my heart. No, I'm not going to bore you with medical mumbo jumbo, but here's a short version. So I'm sure we've all heard the phrase, well, that guy's got a big heart is corny as that sounds when it's not in a children's movie i literally have a big heart my heart goes to someone who looks like they may have been or is meant to be six foot three even though i'm just six foot flat right your heart size is somewhat related to your fist size which is how doctors can easily notate if the size is irregular so my heart is bigger than the body that it goes to and I've almost always had an irregular faster heart rate or heartbeat without any complications and without my heart being stressed out. My lymph nodes, long story short, lymph nodes basically help your body deal with toxins and flush them out. 
but my lymph nodes are huge and they shouldn't be. Normally huge lymph nodes mean that you're fighting off some form of infection or your body's having trouble or is processing a lot of toxins, whatever that even means for the human body. So they get swollen when you're basically in some type of healing or you're fending off something. But my lymph nodes are just naturally fucking huge. Because of this, doctors have been telling me, hey, listen, we know you got large lymph, lymph nodes, but it's hard to distinguish if you might be fending off some type of serious illness or not. So every two years, we want you to see if you maybe have a tumor or something, you know, uh, more dangerous and serious, get, a, get your lymph nodes looked at so we can make sure nothing's wrong. So every two years, essentially, uh, I have a looming threat of death in the back of my head. Um, I know they meant well, but you can't just tell somebody, hey, we're not sure if you're dying every two years, but we want you to get a checkup every two years about your lymph nodes. However, in this particular case, my lymph nodes was right and possibly the only thing that might have saved me. Um, So I went to bed that night and I woke up in the middle of the night and I thought my I left the heat on. Because I was sweating to the point where it looked like I just pulled my bed out of a rainforest. <laughs> so I go and I look in the mirror and it looks like my whole face is crying. Not like, oh, I got forehead sweat and it's dripping down my face. I mean, like all my pores are sweating out of my face and my arms, which is crazy because I don't know how common it is, but I've almost never sweat out of my arms my whole life. Anytime I've seen sweat on my arms, it's literally just been sweat that rolled down on my arm, not coming out of my arm. And I'm just like, spider sense is tingling like a motherfucker right now. I should get go look into this. Now, if anyone knows my area, I don't worry. I know y'all don't. I live in a place called Marquette Park currently. Marquette Park is literally across the street from a hospital. So essentially, unless someone literally cuts your head off and rips out your spine, chances are you can get to a doctor and live through whatever happened to you. Unless it's like someone was legitimately spending their time trying to murder you. And I'm just like, you know what? I'm not going to wait on no bus. I'm going to hobble my ass down the street for like 10 minutes going to emergency check-in. <laughs> I know something's wrong. Now, I can walk a little bit better because it's been over two months since the incident. But I've been feeling this way, like my heart's rating is beating a little too fast, but I ignored it because again, like a fucking idiot, I waited till the pain got to a point where it was kind of sort of feeling like it was leading to something serious instead of immediately when it was a problem. So I get to the side of Marquette Park, which has a couple trees and I can see the emergency entrance. So instead of going all the way around the street corner, I say, you know what? Let me diagonally or 45 degree angle cut through the park and go there. So I'm walking through the park or I'm limping and I just hear, bro, you look like a drunk or a zombie. I was like, <laughs> eh, that's, that's kind of funny. Uh, you're not the first person to say something like that to me. It's like, oh, yeah. Are you heading to the doctor? I was like, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm going to go have them take a look at me or something. Oh, it's a little too late for a checkup. I was like, yeah, I'm not really going for a traditional checkup. Oh, okay. Hey, can I suck your dick? I I'm, I'm sorry, what? Because I'm replaying what just happened in my head. Um, wow, that, that's, that's crazy. I have 
the way it all compounds into itself just like brings more and more pressure on you and then all of a sudden hey you want to be i'm just like okay so at this point i'm terrified no i'm not scared of a bj before swag tries to make that joke i'm terrified because i don't know if my brain's messing with me and something is severely wrong because it's dark there are no lights in the forest area of marquette park it's only in the public sections and the and the drive the driving route in case you want to drive through it so i'm just like uh hey i think i really need to go to the doctor i, I don't think i'm hearing things correctly no i said can i suck your dick it's like okay um i can't even see you and i think i have a high fever right now so oh well uh i mean that's fine i can you can just uh pay me later i was like marquette park has prostitutes on the prowl at night holy shit so i just said hey ma'am um i think something's seriously wrong with me i don't have an std of any type or uh sti um but listen ain't gonna be no dick sucking in this direction because I'm not even sure that I'm not hallucinating right now because this seems very illogical. And why are you walking faster towards me? I was like, oh, oh, you, you hopped up on something? Hey, can I have some? I was like, okay, oh, oh, okay. so I've been in this area a very long time. Um, last I heard, Marquette Park doesn't have, you know, a lot of crime or drug deals and you know, ain't no shootouts going on in this area. There's a mom and pop grocery store on the corner right there. And we're like a mile away from like a chain of different car dealerships, one of which is a BMW. I'm trying to understand what's going on right now. Well, look, I had a cancellation, okay? And I want to feel time. I was like, oh, okay. I'm going to run away from you right now. And... I know it sounds like the most dumb thing, but that's actually what happened. I literally said, I'm going to run away from you right now. And I ran across the street and I went into the ER section and I said, hey, listen, I don't think I'm at a 98 degree temperature. I can't stop sweating and my heart is beating really, really fast for some reason. And she just looks at me and says, shit, get the respirators. And I'm like, what? And I leaned back a little bit and I don't catch myself. <laughs> My hands were so slippery from sweat that I couldn't hold on to the counter. Boom, fell backwards. Oh my God. I wake up and I'm six foot. So when I fall, it actually fucking hurts. Short people got it easy. When you fall, you ain't got to worry about splitting your head open. I do. <laughs> so... I wake up like 12 hours later and I press the button on the side of my bed. I know it's for emergencies. I didn't have an emergency, but I wanted to play by play on what the hell happened to me. Right. So, uh, they come and say, Oh yeah. Uh, we're still getting your results in. Um, you were like the 15th person today. Um, but if it makes you feel any better, no, you didn't have it. I was like, I don't have an STD. And the dude looks at me and starts laughing. He's like, wait, do you have an STD? He's like, no, I don't have an STD. What? Why would? 
what's going on? Because I'm tripping right now, hard. It's like, oh, so you don't have COVID. We thought you had COVID. I was like, oh, oh, fuck. I don't have COVID. Wait, so what do I have, though? Hey, what a blood worry about COVID. Imagine. <laughs> People don't realize it or remember, but uh, with COVID, there's actually a, a high percentage that certain men will get ED from it. Yes, that ED. Wait, what? So, yeah, yeah. It's actually one of the possible side effects of getting COVID. ED. Um, So... Don't get me wrong. Um, well, well, she doesn't, but Swag and the rest of the crew in here will tell you they know me well enough. Oh, he's back home. Sweet. Um, I am in no way, shape, or form a manhole. If I date somebody or if I even get with somebody, I don't do that whole thing where I treat you like you're a diseased animal and try to kick you out the next day. Or if it comes something serious, hey, I still don't go out of my way to act like a piece of scum. So I'm just sitting up here just going through all types of crap in my mind. And I just tell, say this dude, so can we get a confirmation that I don't have an STD too though? And he starts laughing again. And I was like, bro, you need to stop laughing every time I mention STDs, man. It's really not helping me. Oh, oh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Pearson, we, we, we need you in a calm state. Um, We still haven't stabilized the heart situation. I was like, okay, just don't laugh at that. I get the situation may have sounded ironic or kind of funny, but man, I don't know what's going on with me and I blacked out in the hospital. That's a new thing for me. Yeah, sounds terrifying across the board. Yes. I went from thinking I just had a fever to getting offered a BJ to blacking out in the hospital. For me, it felt like 30 minutes, but as I told you, it's been 12 hours. Hmm. So, this, so I sat in there for a little while. I tried to look for my phone or my clothes. They didn't want me to get out the bed. So I was like, okay, I'm going to watch some TV. And eventually, about an hour, an hour and a half passes. And I say, hey, uh, I got insurance, so can I get food? It was like, oh, no, we'll bring it to you. We don't want you going downstairs. I was like, okay. They bring me food, and this nurse comes in. And I really wish she didn't. I really, really wish she didn't. No, I didn't get bad. Well, I did get bad news, but not the kind you're thinking. So I am in a medical gown. My clothes were not ripped off my body or cut off me. That's something that uh, EMTs only do. Um, but I'm in a medical gown and I'm in thin sheets. And unfortunately, uh, this nurse is extremely beautiful. So I've decided I'm going to put my pillow in my crotch because I don't want to look like A, Trump, B, some type of sex crazed pervert. I'm not and see whatever else might have been going on in her head because I like avoiding awkward situations with women or literally not being in awkward situations with women. And if there's one thing that men have never learned how to explain in the history of our existence, uh, it's uh, the morning W, if you catch my drift. We don't know why it, well, I know why it happens, but we don't actually have control over that. And I'm also, again, not trying to look like a pervert to a medical professional. Also, oh my God, I mean, I'm a grown man, but let me tell you, if my mom found out that I did something nasty to a nurse, a profession she respects possibly more than some people, she would chastise the fuck out of me for at least a week and we don't even live together. Bare minimum. So I'm looking at her with this smile on my face and I'm sweating, not from, you know, being sick, but because 
I really, really wish she wasn't pretty. But, you know, no idiot is ever going to say that to a beautiful woman. Or at least I had regular pants so I can properly hide things. And she's like, Mr. Pearson, are you okay? It's like, I'm alive and I don't have an STD. Yes, I heard what uh, Michael discussed. I'll be having a talk with him later. I was like, thank you. Don't get me wrong. There's a certain way you should and should not act. I get that we all can have jokes even at work, but the man literally gave me a damn near a heart attack, making me think I might've had something. So she tells me everything is like, okay, Mr. Pearson, um, we're going to have to give you brain checks and brain scans and also possibly do some, uh, uh, complete and total body exam, urine, blood analysis, all that's like, okay, so I know I don't have COVID. What happened? Uh, Mr. Pearson, you fluctuated between a 105 and a 108 degree temperature, and we don't know why you're alive. And she started saying a bunch of other stuff after that, but my brain did that thing you see only in movies where someone gets information, they stop blinking, and everything around them just goes mute or slowly sounds like Charlie Brown's teacher. Wah, 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 wah. I was literally experiencing that. Because my first thought was, Okay, I'm in the middle of getting ready to re-enlist in the Navy. And when I say in the middle, I mean, I already got a recruiter because my doctor, my primary healthcare physician, not this hospital, my doctor is two blocks down from an actual Naval recruitment office. And my entire future and career has just been destroyed or my chance at having the type of future I want has just been fucking destroyed. That's what I'm thinking in my head. But at some point in time, she realized something was off. So she came over there and hugged me and she snapped me back in and she pat me on the back and said, Hey, listen, listen, you're okay, but we want to study you and make sure nothing else is wrong. Okay. Nothing is wrong. You're not going to die. And thank God that pillow didn't slide off. The pillow is the MVP in this story, as far as I'm concerned. And I told her, thank you. I appreciate the help. Um, how soon can we get these tests done? Oh, well, we uh, had already got permission from your emergency contact and uh, liaison in the event of, you know, unconsciousness. My mama, you can just say my mama, um, to go and run a battery of tests. But uh, we still had two more left to do. And I was like, okay, let's get them done. So then she gave me a sheet and she went over it with a highlighter and she said, hey, don't worry about these parts right here. But of course, she went over it with the highlighter so I can still read those parts. And like an idiot, I didn't listen. So basically she gave what would be a medical uh, explanation, explanatory sheet or informative essay packet about high temperatures and your brain. Right. So, uh, essentially she gave me a packet that says, Hey, you normally would, you should have permanent brain damage. And I did, but that's the part that I read. It makes you even more scared. Yeah, or, or or in my case, it made me feel as confused as the medical staff was. Like, why am I still alive? And I started doing random things that people don't normally do. What is the earliest memory I have? What is the last thing that ever happened to me that I can remember before today? Uh, I'm giving myself, and this is something that's very common and they don't want people doing. I'm giving myself mental tests to see if I have any mental <laughs> faculties that are gone. Yeah, but that's a bad thing to do because you can give yourself, make yourself hypertensive and you can literally stress your body out. So I, I, I say, you know what? Let me stop. 
I read the part of the package I'm supposed to read. So essentially, and this is very scary. Did you know that your brain can start cooking as early as hitting a 100 degree temperature? Your brain can start cooking. And remember, I was going between 105 and 108. That's wild. I should be dead. Here you are, living to tell the tale. How beautiful is that? Trust me, like his entire life is just like one huge sitcom that be told. Oh yeah, she's oh, yeah, she's so okay. much. Okay. <laughs> let me elaborate on what he means by that. Um, so the way life stories work is I let anybody tell a story. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, deep and heartfelt or or if it's comical, if it scared you at the time and you you now find it funny. I'm the one person who seems to have the most stories out of everyone or the most stories that are longer than two minutes. So because of this, literally most of life stories is just my friends found out I'm recording on this and they say, sweet, let me get some food and popcorn. I want to hear what happened. Apparently as, well, Emily and about 10 other people made me realize, um, I attract chaos, but I don't cause chaos, at least not on purpose. So because of this, that's probably why stand up was a little bit easier for me. I'm going to tell something that people always assume. Yes, it's true about doing any stand up. Um, yes, it is true that most life stories that they tell did happen, but they don't happen in the way that they're describing it. Or they're literally making up a story because they know that their job is to tell a story, not necessarily tell you the truth. However, I didn't have to do a lot of that. And mind you, well, before my agent, I was on year nine and a half or 10, depending on who you ask, of doing comedy and never have I ever been booed off a stage. Yet I still have this giant fear of being booed off a stage before and after I get off. I don't I don't know why you would think nine years of not fucking up that thought will leave my brain, but no. Um, and most of the stuff I mentioned were actually things that happened or things that I saw happen. And to this day, it still annoys me. Mind you, don't get me wrong. I'm not super famous. I'm not going to sit up here and lie and tell you, I know this person, that person, that person, whatever. I was making enough to live comfortably for a little bit, but then I came back to Chicago and I realized, oh man, I can get work, but I cannot live off this shit. <laughs> so yeah, it is what it is. But a lot of people I would talk to would literally tell me, bro, I know you made that up. It's okay. We, our job is to tell stories. We made that make our stuff up too. Sometimes like, no, that shit happened. And then if I go and show them, if I go and show them some of the people that related to the incident, they're like, holy shit. Bro, that's insane. I was like, yeah, what's more insane is you're a complete and total stranger. And you're going to come up to a complete and total stranger and tell me I'm full of shit and I'm lying when I don't even know you and you don't know me. But you seem so comfortable with doing that. Yeah, it's like the white supremacy, patriarchy, heteronormative society. There's some, irony, there's some irony in that statement because literally every single person that ever came up to me told me I was bullshitting was a middle-aged or an old white dude there's some irony and in there somewhere of course no surprise there at all well I'm so go ahead swag no I was just gonna say I, I legitimately just found it strange because I have this 
I was never born or raised by arrogant people and any arrogance I would have as a child, it got cursed out or beaten out of me because I had good parents and they didn't want me to turn into a Hilton or a Kardashian. And when I go into a place where I'm new or I know I'm around a lot of people experience, I'm, I stay humble. I ask them, do they want to teach me? I ask them, is there anything that they want to impart on me? You know, give me that sage wisdom or something like that. But no, these assholes will come up to me when there's a no smoking sign and come up to me with a big ass drink and a cigar and say, hey, you're full of shit. Like, super comfortably and casually. Yeah, sounds about right. Sounds about right. Well, Zach, this is, I mean, it's been so amazing to like hear your story and have you share your experience. Um, yeah, but it's been so, so wonderful to connect with you and to hear more about um, what you've been through. So glad you're here you are here to tell the story okay well i definitely appreciate you coming through uh this is the equivalent of part one so the full version will be up and i'll be able to tell you the exact minute where you can continue on from if you want to hear how it ended and swag next time we get her i'm probably gonna see if i can get you a tarot reading or something because i just interested in your tarot (laughs) yeah totally Uh, all right, Emily, um, why don't you tell the people where they can find your show or where they can find you online real quick? And again, I will make sure in the description that we also have links. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I um, I hang out mostly at uh, on Instagram at Emily and MCG. It's the same same handle as in here. I try to keep it simple. And if you're in New York, uh, feel free to look her up or her website and enjoy her beautiful soul. Uh, Emily, thank you for coming by. I appreciate it. Thank you. It was so good to connect with you. And uh, I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your day. I can damn sure try. You too. (laughs) Thank you. All right. So now, um, back to not digressing. So eventually I get all these tests done and I'm reading this packet and it tells me it's like, I could have experienced or should have experienced hallucinations. I should have possibly lost bodily function, uh, random fits of vomiting. Basically, if it involves dying in a gruesome way or reacting to something extremely hideous that you saw, this entire list said that this should have all been happening to me, right? Yeah. So they got me to test back and turns out I was fine. So she had a theory, uh, this, uh, it was an NP, which means nurse practitioner. She gave me the theory that it's possible that because you were unconscious, that that might be the primary reason why your body, you know, didn't shut down completely. And here he is right along for part two. Welcome King, ladies and gentlemen, here comes our other new challenger. (laughs) All right, so I'm going to just get you somewhat caught up. So Emily had to duck out because, well, she's cool and she's had important stuff to do. She works on Broadway and blah, blah, blah. Um, But I gave her the dealer's choice of stories today, and it was uh, three different ones. And she chose, how am I still alive after having a between 105 and 108 degree temperature? Yeah. I should genuinely be dead. Yeah, that you, you didn't. So, sir. So now I'm at the part where I've uh, recovered from the blackout I had when I got to the hospital, and they were giving me test results and a big ass packet that basically let me know, hey, 
you should be dead. Here are the side effects you should have had, but didn't have because they were doing uh, work on me because my, uh, uh, my unconscious liaison emergency contact, AKA my mama said, Hey, look, go run that battery a test. Right. So I'm getting ready to get discharged. I'm looking at this packet. They gave me, uh, what was it? A thermometer. And this thermometer fucking, they told me to check my temperature every 30 minutes. I'm like, you really think I'm going to check my temperature fucking 44 times in a day? Motherfucker, you know, I'm going to be asleep for like 10 of those hours after this ordeal, right? So, um, they discharge me. I walk home. I'm reading a list of things that should have happened to me. Hallucinations, random fits of, uh, vomiting, inability to create speech. Uh, it was like, it was legitimately a list of things, bro. And even though the highlighted section, I wasn't supposed to read, like I told swag, the motherfuckers used a highlighter, not a marker or just cutting a piece of the page out. They used a highlighter. So I could obviously still read it. So now it's fucking with my brain. So eventually, uh, and, uh, and inherently I decide when I go home, I'm literally going to not even get to my room. I'm going to go to my couch. I'm going to watch whatever show I know puts me in my comfort zone or happy place. And whatever tightness this is in my stomach, I'm hoping it'll leave when I take a nap. I'm thinking I've been through the worst of it, right? So here's what happens. I go to sleep and fucking I woke up and I have six. Someone turned on their webcam. Oh, King turned on his webcam. I mean, I don't care if you turn it on. It's up to you. Um, I had six or seven calls from a number I didn't recognize, but I'm like, okay, this is probably a doctor's office. So I call it back. And they said, hey, listen, we need you to go to the dentist as soon as possible. It's like, what's wrong? So your infection you told us about in the knee, that might not have caused this. I was like, okay, so then what did? Your mouth. I was like, my mouth gave me 105 to 8 degree temperature. I didn't know my breath was that hot. And they started. <laughs> yeah, and they that's what happened. They started laughing on the phone. So I was just like, uh. Uh, well, I guess uh, my brain isn't so fucked up that I can't be funny still. So I was like, okay, so what's the situation? Like, listen, we found um, a chemical in your system that is normally only used in dental related medical procedures. Like, well, I haven't been to the dentist since the pandemic started, but you normally go normally, right? Like, yeah. Well, I don't know why you stopped going. Dentists are almost always in face masks, so you weren't going to really infect them to begin with. And I'm just sitting up here thinking to myself, why the fuck didn't I go to the dentist? They are always in a mask. <laughs> right? So it was like, listen, uh, have them basically search your whole mouth because more than likely something in your mouth may have leaked into your system that caused this. I was like, yeah, I'm going to go to the dentist. Um, we have an emergency uh, clinic open, um, but most for the dental procedures, but uh, your insurance might not take it. I was like, okay, so I'm going in the morning. I'll catch you later. No, Mr. Pearson, you might die. Click. As far as I'm concerned, I'm not about to die because 
my temperature never went back up that high again. So whatever passed through my system, passed through my system. But obviously, I am going to get looked at. I'm just enjoying my nap, goddammit, and naps are sacred. <laughs> so I go to the dentist the next morning because it's four blocks down the street from me. Um, And I tell them what happened. And they say, okay, well, do you feel fine? He's like, yeah. Well, uh, we, we, we can't really let you come through unless it's an emergency emergency. I was like, so my temperature wasn't an emergency for the dental for the dental industry. It's like, no, no, sir. No, sir. I'm, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is you don't appear to be in a chronic or dire situation right now. So you're gonna have to schedule an appointment. The traditional is like, I don't know if I should be offended or not, but okay. So I go to the dentist and this nice Asian lady looks in my mouth and she says, Hey, did you know that you're feeling, you have a feeling that's leaking? I was like, Holy shit. I was like, well, that might have been what caused my fever not so long ago. Oh, you swallowed some of it? It's like, yes. Yeah, so okay. Well, it was the front filling. I don't know what they use for the front filling, but it, uh, we don't actually use the same type of fillings. Um, like the one in your back right here, this one's fine. Uh, this is silver, but it's silver mixed with a certain chemical so it doesn't affect your taste or your mouth or any of your senses in your mouth. I was like, Oh, that's interesting. So when they put in a filling in the back of your mouth or the sides, they're not just putting in silver, even though they say they're putting in a silver filling. It's silver mixed with some other stuff. So it doesn't mess with your body. It's like, oh, that's cool. But no, this is the one that's leaking. So she lifted up my top lip and literally it's like the top right tooth, the top right tooth trashed. Like, okay. So and this is going to sound weird. Um, I don't know who does and doesn't know about it, but in my younger days, not that I'm super old in the first place, but when I was a teenager up to about maybe six, seven years ago, um, sometimes I would be on a closed circuit uh, tournaments or in dojo tournaments in whatever art I was studying or whatever dojo I was working at. So one day there was a dude who made it to like the grand finals. And I fucking hated this dude. I had sparred with him numerous times. I fucking hated him and I fucking hated training him. Not because he's an asshole, but because he has a kick that pisses me off. Essentially, this man is extremely good at a, I don't know if you've heard this term. Um, he's extremely good at uh, in-action correction or performing corrective action. King, I'm sure you know that term. <laughs> um. But uh, different kind of creative action though. Yeah, exactly. It's basically, Hey, I get to be creative. So essentially what he does, or at least what it means in this situation in context is that when he hits somebody, if he knows he's going to miss instead of trying to retract the blow, he's mostly known for trying to angle it so he can still hit you where he wanted to, or still hit you in general. And I fucking hate it because one, he's better at it than me. But two, he's one of those people that almost never wears any form of uh, registered footwear. So I'm about to taste this man's foot at some point or smell it. Maybe you did a lot of jam, didn't you? No, I dodged most of his kicks. However, he caught me with a feint. He tried to do a roundhouse, something I'm notorious for dodging. And I was like, nah, motherfucker. But I dodged it, right? 
I kind of sort of lean back and I put a little bit of a twist on my spine. Does it hurt? Yes, but it means I don't get a nasty ass foot in my face. However, he hit with just enough force to literally bruise the whole top part of my lip. And he slightly cracked um, my front right tooth about, at this point, eight and a half years ago. But I got a filling put in. Apparently, that filling that they used wasn't as good or wasn't high quality. So the shit started leaking one night. And since I was laying down, my body naturally ingested this stuff. And even though it was a little bit of it, like I can't even remember if there was a taste to it. That's how little it was. It fucked me up. And apparently some of the gums that it touched going down my throat even got small infections that they had to needle. That's right. Or not needle, chip and poke out of my actual system. So you know why I'm going to ask this question, but who did your, uh, who did the filling on you? <laughs> uh, some doctor that my mom was getting a discount from back in the day. And no, they didn't have a special relationship. Uh, the dude moved into a new building and he needed customers. So like, depending on the year you were there, everything was discounted. Wait, man, I was just going to see if it was a hack military job because we pour into the of that. Oh, I got fucked over by the military when it comes to crownings, though, and I still paid the price. But that's a whole nother mess of shit entirely. Uh, long oh, yeah. That's yeah, yeah. Uh, long story short. um, So eventually they also realize, oh, uh, this stuff is still in your system. It was like, oh, fuck. Okay, don't worry. Let me go take a dump. Like, no, 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 not like that. I mean that. <laughs> Somehow or at some point in time, this stuff got on your skin. I was like, what do you mean? There's a part of your stomach that's feeling hard. And it swag, as I mentioned earlier, I said I felt like I had a knot or a heavy piece of something weighing on my stomach. I was kind of sort of right. So, so this shit sunk into my skin pores and it was having some effect on my body internally or at least on my stomach, right? And they, they pulled my shirt up and they touched the area because at this point, I'm still going to doctors and getting checkups all the time. This is day two because I had a follow-up uh, with um, the doctors from the hospital and they were like, bro, bro. Uh, we may need to operate on you and I don't want to alarm you. I know you're still in recovery, but we may need to operate on you. But if it makes you feel better, it'll be a very simple procedure. It's like, okay, thank you for saying this in a calm manner. What's the, what's the problem? Well, I'm going to have you get a belly x-ray, but I think you may have exposed to some type of chemical or toxin that seeped into the pores around your stomach area. Mind you, it doesn't seem to be like a lot of it, but it looks like it's spreading and having some type of hardening effect around your navel area, which is one of the most vulnerable places because, well, the inner side of your navel, if anything pierces there, it's extremely easy to get inside the rest of your system because there's the least amount of resistance and the least amount of material to go through in the stomach. I was like, can I be unconscious for this? And he's like, oh, sure, of course. It's like, sweet, let's go. 
So I called the dentist back. Uh, I know I'm time elapsed and shit, but reminder, King, you haven't been here. I live on uh, near Marquette Park. The left hand side of Marquette Park has a fucking hospital right there. And the dentist is three blocks down from my crib. So I'm literally less than a 10 minute walk from both a hospital and a dental office. You basically get to live in life. Yeah, basically, if, if I get hit by a car, I'm probably going to not die where I'm at. Um, like if you, if you die here, someone took their time trying to kill you. Um, so I call him back and I say, Hey, let me get a reschedule. Like, but Mr. Pearson, we really need to get in your mouth. Oh my God. I put the phone on mute and started laughing. And then I, uh, I told him like, Hey, listen, um, okay. Let me know what all you got to do. And we'll have it done half now, half later. Well, we can get it all done in one day. You're underestimating my interest in having needles in my mouth, ma'am. <laughs> I'm not scared of a dentist. I just hate needles. I really Don't fucking hate needles. So I uh, get knocked out. Now here's the scariest thing you can do when you're knocked out and having a surgery. I woke up while being operated on. <laughs> I woke up while fucking being operated on, man. So I shit you not. I noticed that my rib cage was flexing. I was like, what is that? And next thing you know, you hear two people in the room, oh, are you awake? It's like, I, yeah, what was that? Why am I in pain? Oh, well, Mr. Pearson, what we're doing is, because the dude didn't stop the whole entire time I'm awake. You would think he would stop. I was like, hey, hey, stop. It's like, no, uh, uh, don't worry, Mr. Pearson. We're just going to sedate you again. No, that's not the problem. Bro, you're hitting my fucking rib cage on the inside. This idiot possibly woke me up from pain, but actually, nah, that's not how that shit works. I don't know, but maybe y'all just works, didn't... Bro. Yeah, like, maybe that's they didn't sedate me enough. Yeah, so I'm saying, like, maybe y'all just didn't sedate me enough, or the mask was loose when you were giving me the gas, but I was like, bro, listen, hey, I can feel you hitting my ribcage on the inside. I was like, what? You didn't see me seizing? Seizing up and tilting? I was like, oh, well, see, that's actually pretty common. See, it's actually kind of funny how this works. See, when you're given anesthesia, you don't, you aren't numb to the pain. What's really happening is we're making your brain forget that it was, that it was even in pain. I was like, yeah, well, you didn't do enough because I know that you're hitting me with something in my rib cage on the inside. Should play a full blast to be honest. It's like a certain amount they have to do so that like you don't either stop breathing. You don't like just die or have permanent brain damage. But yeah, like I've been under anesthesia enough times. Uh, like, like it, it knocks you out and it causes severe memory loss. So even in the event that you do wake up, you don't remember what the fuck happened. Yeah. So I'm just like, I'm feeling pain. What the fuck? Like, and, 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 and here's the thing. I know he was working on like my stomach area and the whole, the whole torso, but I only felt it in my rib cage. I'm like, bro, whatever shit you get apparently didn't affect my rib cage that much or something. I don't know. So I just told this man, Hey, uh, why don't you turn your light on? Not, no, no. The medical office was not darkened. Literally, you can't really do a medical procedure if it's dark. He's wearing a headlight, but he didn't turn it on. And then the nurse uh, or whoever was helping him looks at him and is like, seriously, Mike? So she turns on his headlight and he looks at me and is like, oh. Oh, what? And then they put the mask back on me and I wake up the next day. Yeah. 
Sound like some malpractice looking shit, don't it? He went from like waking up too early to that that almost murder killing you. Like you're supposed to be under anesthesia that long. Well, I'm just well, the way I look at it is like this. He's been doing this procedure so long, and based on how he was working, he was trying to get the fuck up out of there. That's what it was, honestly. But the problem I had was that, bro, somebody else fucked up because he's not the anesthesiologist. He's a surgeon. So the anesthesiologist fucked up. But if they hadn't fucked up, I wouldn't know that this man is beating my fucking rib cage up. I'm like, bro, you made you went in a hole near my navel and you fucking up my rib cage? So then when I woke up and tried to sit up, he said, I tried to sit up and I, and I immediately, and the, the dude in the room next to me was like, hey, hey, bro, don't do that. You want to use the bed to tilt up. I was like, I'm pretty sure I can sit up perfectly fine. Bro, I'm telling you, you're not looking at what I'm looking at. Like, what do you mean? So I tried to, I don't look, I don't sit up because, you know, I don't know this guy, but he's obviously not an asshole if he's trying to get me to not hurt myself. I'm like, you know what? Let me roll over. Oh, was that a dumb idea? So I try to roll over and look at any wires or, or wires or shit in my arm and whatnot, or look down on the ground. And I'm just like, ah, oh. like I couldn't scream, but I made a noise that apparently sounded like a zombie trying to yawn. That's what I was told. Ugh, yeah. I'm there. <laughs> oh, uh, you got like five holes in you right now. I was like, Someone shot me. It's like, <laughs> no, 50, you good. I was like, you know, you know, that's, that's actually pretty funny. Any other situation that could have been a little racist, but that was pretty funny. I was like, listen, um, wherever they poked you, they only went in one side. They didn't go through you, but they said that there's two on both sides of you. So that's four. And well, I can see the one from the front. I was like, I got five. He was supposed to only been doing one thing. What else happened? I was like, I don't know. Uh, maybe you can check your chart. Or, or wait, are you comfortable with me getting your chart? I was like, oh, do they really still clip it to the end of people's beds? I was like, well, yeah, but sometimes they just literally have them like on the door too as well, you know? I was like, oh, I've never really uh, like had a big I, surgery, so I didn't know. That's a HIPAA violation. No, it's a HIPAA violation sure. if I don't if he doesn't have my permission. If it's open view, that means it's not secured, which means your private information is open to the public or to individuals who don't need to know. Uh, that's why they do everything on the computers now. They used to do the charts at the end of the table, but they moved away from that for the fact of like people walking by who didn't need to know about your shit, seeing it and like knowing more than they're supposed to. That's why they do everything on computer systems where you need login codes now. So your information remains private. Yeah, well, Luckily, it's a surgical aftercare center, so wasn't really nobody coming in unless they visited somebody, and it was it was late night, so I don't foresee anybody stealing my shit that way. Um, so I was like, "Hey, bro, just go ahead and get it. I'm not gonna charge you for shit. I'm trying to figure out what all the fuck happened." I was like, "Well, they told you what the surgery was before you got here." I was like, "Yeah, but I woke up while they were operating," and he was like, "Oh snap, dude, cool." I'm just like, "I feel like I'm talking no. to a different person now." Like, don't get me wrong, I'm I'm used to accents, but the dude bro guys usually only speak fluent dude bro. This guy fluctuates. Like, sometimes he sounds like King, and then other times he sounds like a surfer cliche from a Saturday morning cartoon. I was like, what the fuck? Okay, well, that's interesting. 
Bro, what you trying to say about me? That you speak non-dude, bro. <laughs> Surfer dude, bro. Yeah. So, uh, I was like... That's just like your opinion, dude. Like... Now he's trying to do it on purpose. So, anyways, um, I'll, uh, I, was like, okay, I was like, pass me this chart, all this stuff. All this stuff. And so I look at it and I'm just like, okay, so uh, they wrote down in that thing, unsure, something like along the lines of, now, Matthew, this is in medical terms, unsure on reason why uh, woke up in the middle of operation or surgical uh, awake uh, awakened during surgical operation. Please check on um, mental state as well as uh, after uh, have nurse and aftercare uh, run possible x-rays on chest. So I told them like, look, if y'all put me on an x-ray table, I'm probably going to bleed on it right now. It's like, Oh, we know. So I was like, look, how long until I'm not bleeding or how long until I can functionally get in a car and go home? I was like, uh, we want to watch you for at least one full day. Um, so you can leave right now if you want to. I was like, what, you just said you want to watch me for one full day? Uh, you've been out of it for quite some time, Mr. Pearson. I was like, S- what? The- Anesthesia doesn't knock you out that long. As a- no, it doesn't. But you were extremely exhausted as well. So you've actually been sleeping or unconscious uh for 18 hours i was like holy shit that's the best nap ever i know i shouldn't be happy at something like this but to be fair i do enjoy naps bro in adult life how long do you actually get a solid 24 hours that you can do nothing but sleep just to recover practically never maybe once a year yeah <laughs> so oh, and yeah. uh that was like okay well Give me like three hours. I was like, okay. So I get my stuff. Luckily, I didn't come with much. It was cold as fuck. Um, but they let me wrap a towel around me. I didn't tell them I planned on keeping it because, hey, I was scared of bleeding outside when it's cold. Because uh, here's the crazy part. Bleed out doesn't necessarily mean your blood came out of you. Bleeding out just means that something can be leaking out of you. So some of the fluids they pumped in my stomach or a solution, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. It had a red color to it. So even if I wasn't bleeding, it would look like I was bleeding. So I was just like, you know what? Let me keep this towel on because I don't want to have to worry about warm solution flowing out of my body when it's cold. And I'll slowly, and I mean slowly, walked home. Like I said, it's a 15-minute walk, 10-minute walk on a good day. Uh... It took me at least an hour to get home. I went slow. Now, this is where it gets a little creepy. So I was like, you know what? Let me try to shorten this route. So I cut through my own alley, right? And I see this girl coming down the uh, alley. I don't know this girl. I have nothing bad to say about this woman. I, I don't think anything bad about this woman. She's smiling at me. And I'm just like, well, fuck. I hope she's not trying to do anything because... Besides not feeling entirely attractive right now, um, I'm bleeding more than that time of the month in multiple directions. So I just like, you know, let me ignore her. If she says hi, I'll say hi. And she's, hey, so uh, 
you don't have to run, you know. You could have just said no. Also, you didn't. So can I still suck your dick? I was like. The fuck? You? Me what? You, you're, you're the one from inside the park where there were no lights. It's like, yeah. Okay, so are you the reason they put up those signs about no prostitution in this area? It's like, hey, those signs got nothing to do with me. I was like, are, are you are you not a sex working prostitute person type? Yes, that's actually what I said. I don't know what the fuck I should and should not be calling her. All I know is I'm not trying to pick a fight. For all I know, she could have got the way she is, not by choice. Someone could be forcing her. I don't know the situation. And as you all know, I treat people on a case-by-case basis. One porn star's personality is not beholden to every other porn star. And any sex worker and or prostitute's personality is not beholden to somebody else. Every situation is unique. Also, I ain't in a position to do no type of ass-kicking or even getting a verbal altercation. So I was like, hey, listen. Uh, I appreciate the offer. I think you think I was like, I don't even understand why you're offended right now. Listen, I don't really want to spend money on sex, especially right now. I went to the hospital. They gave me some bad news. Uh, you know, someone had died from COVID. No, but I currently have extra holes in my body. You have extra holes in your body. And she started smiling. And she said it really loud. So, like an idiot, I did exactly what I did last time. I just started running, got to my door, and I locked it, and I'm pretty sure I blacked out on my kitchen. No, I didn't bleed out. Obviously, I'm still here. But a lot of solution was on my floor. And it took like, a whole week to get the stains out. The end. So yeah, kids, let that be a lesson to you. When someone wants to suck your dick after almost dying, run. Like, what were the... They have the, the whole... Like, were they tubes for, like, fluid buildup inside your system after what they did? Okay, did you just ask me... Did they put tubes in me? Well, yeah, because you said you have extra holes in you. Okay, and the only thing so... I can think of is they were trying to drain out excess fluid that be coming out of you from those pressure buildup. Because I've seen them do that with like pets and stuff. Okay, so essentially they... the holes they put in were points of entry from when they put the shit in me. Right? However... Yeah. Uh, you know, they don't hook people up to a vacuum after they pump something in you. Yeah. So I had to basically self-drain however I saw fit. And when I said I- self-drain, gravity was doing the heavy lifting in that relationship. So I could have stayed there and self-drained, or I could have gone home, possibly fucked up some sheets or a couch and self-drained. Because the act of even standing upright could cause self-drain. And, you know, if I want to have them pump out of me, it could be viewed as some form of liposuction. And even though I don't fear or have a problem with liposuction, last I heard is that liposuction beats up your nerves on the inside. So even if they take the fat out and you can't get fat anymore in that area, because that's actually how liposuction works. I don't know why people think you can get fat all over again. You literally can't unless your body defies the laws of reality. 
Um, it's extremely painful. So I was just like, you know what? Path of least resistance. I already got to get my mouth shot up like a few days after this. And, uh, yeah, it was really just, uh, ports of entry where they pumped in the, whatever shit they pumped in. Um, well, mostly knowing you, I feel like, I feel like your body sort of defies some, some logic in biofunctions and all that, but yeah. Yeah, it's weird. Oh yeah. So King, you missed this earlier. Um, my heart's actually the wrong size. So I literally have a big heart. However, as corny as that bullshit sounds, what I actually have is just an enlarged heart, but it's not enlarged due to a medical complication. My heart is just bigger than it should be. So I'm six foot, but my heart may go to someone who is six foot three. Also, my lymph nodes, the thing that's meant to help your body fight and fend off toxins, are larger than they should be to the point that doctors tell me to get a two-year checkup on my lymph nodes because lymph nodes are only supposed to enlarge when they're fending off some type of a toxin. But since my lymph nodes are far larger than they're supposed to be normally, doctors can't properly discern if they're just normal and nothing's going on or if, hey, something's going on, you're possibly dying. So practically every two years, I got to get a lymph node checkup because, well, one day, I might hit the death lottery and it'll be toxins instead of just, oh no, we're working as normal. Hmm. However, my current theory on why I survived having that 105 and 108 degree temperature, which you missed is primarily because right when I got to the hospital, because I was sweating so much, I couldn't grip the front desk when I started falling and I fell unconscious. So my brain was shut off or most of it was shut off while I was going through this 105, 108 degree temperature. Also, I didn't maintain it for five minutes and up because your brain can start cooking as early as 100 degree, which is 200, which is two degrees away from your normal internal temperature. That still terrifies me. We're always two degrees away from brain damage. I mean, it's, it's always crazy. Like the, the amount that our bodies can take and survive, but also just how fragile and sensitive they are to like any little things. It's like, yeah, I'm always, you're always, like you're always two degrees away from death, but at the same time, like there are people who've literally fallen out of planes and landed on the ground and somehow fucking survived that shit. But goddamn, I got the sniffles and I died. A literal bio miracle. Yeah, um, I don't know which parent in particular I got it from, um, but a lot of eerie science points to dad and i'm gonna tell you why because uh ye old walter pearson yes that's his full name he's so old he was born before middle names were important um he had opd my whole life in fact he was diagnosed with it before i was even born they told him he would only have four years if he played his car rights and he exercised and ate right which he fucking didn't he might get six this motherfucker got 22, 23 years and did not eat right or exercise. And he had OPD. That's not normal in the slightest. But at the same time, no medical professionals come up to me or any members of my family that I'm aware of and said, hey, can we study you motherfuckers? It's just one of those things that it's not normal 
but no one Dutch did shit about it. So, I don't know, maybe I'm second generation carrying on some type of irregular genes. There's gene mutations happen in the body. They pass on. Sometimes they make you more apt to survive certain things. Yeah, like this This one was scary. Um, uh, I don't know his name, but one of the dudes from Dukes of Hazard married a woman who had some type of genetic cells that could make her immune to certain STDs. And her son had no STDs. But as you know, uh, depending on your genetics, if your parents had STDs, some of them can transfer to you almost immediately or they're built into your DNA. But the kid didn't get an STD genetically until he was 28. I can't remember his name or whatnot, but this was back when literally they thought STDs all came from gay people, which biggest load of shit ever. Um, but yeah, the, the world is weird like that. Just wait till you see the guy that was on the Stan Lee show who is immune to electrocution. That shit genuinely terrified me. There's a man who's immune to electrocution. Uh, and he was on an old Stan Lee show about literally finding people with supernatural abilities. For <laughs> weird. So anyways, um, yeah, that, uh, brings this episode to a close King. I know you came in late, but if it makes you feel any better, uh, well, I can tell you, well, you know, I can tell you what part to start and end at so you don't get lost or end up overlapping with what you already know. And I'm going to do the same for Emily who you missed and man, she is such a cool fucking person. So Emily is literally like working on Broadway and she's even had shows end up in uh, the New York times and I'll make sure I have links to her and I'm definitely going to try to get her into the show more often or at least do stuff with her because she's starting to build up her social presence, but not nah, she just do cool shit in general. And as y'all know, I'll mess with not work with anybody cool, period. Um, and, uh, swag, hey. Your neighborhood, you know, uh, when you get a chance or if you get a little bit of scratch, feel free to go to one of her shows. I'm pretty sure you two will get along and we'll possibly try to do one of her tarot reading things or tarot card stuff, because I've always been curious where exactly tarot came from origins and stuff like that. Zodiac, I somewhat understand. I don't know how Zodiac came to be, but there seems to be a Zodiac in a lot of popular uh, ancient civilizations. But tarot is one of those mysterious things to me. I thought it was mostly based on like specifically Christianity and all that. Nah, most people who I know do tarot are either witches or, oh no, not witches, a Wiccan, I think that's what it's called. Or they just are people who like the idea of seeing if the universe is linked in some way, shape or form. Technically, they're not wrong. Um, But my thing is, is just that. I just like getting to know cool people. If Tarot's what she's into, then Tarot we shall talk about one day. And um, since I got you both here, uh, just a reminder, next year, we might be doing a name change, but don't worry, still be cool. We might just go down to Token Podcast because, well, we were never just talking about video games in the first place. But um, I want to not make a new podcast, but I want to take what all we've got and go into talking more in depth 
about TV shows and movies instead of just whatever popular thing is popular right now. Right? Yeah, of course. Because I haven't started The Witcher season two because I've been recovering from Spider-Man, but not fully because I'm definitely going to go see it again. Um, But I'm probably going to try to talk about The Witcher at some point. Because there's a lot of interesting things lore-wise and also misconception-wise. Like, you'd be surprised how many people don't understand that the books came before the show did. Just somebody who's read the books. I mean, I'm going to do that, but... I mean, audiobooks are always a thing. Some of them are even audio... I think there's even two audio dramas for The Witcher based off the books. But, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, with that being said, I will see you guys when I see you guys. If you're looking for swag, uh, please note, please take note of the annotations at the end of the screen. And for Emily, um, head into the uh, description or just look at the video and what I showed you earlier and feel free to say hi or tell her I sent you. Uh, I appreciate you guys coming. And Emily, if you listen to this later, I definitely appreciate you coming through. We've been trying to consistently book uh, women in general. <laughs> For quite some time, don't get me wrong, this isn't a sausage fest and they're not scared of us, but as I think I told King some time ago, uh, I somehow have been extremely good at selecting smart women, but they usually are terrified of the idea of being brought up in the public eye. Like they're scared of gaining fame, even though this is a small ass podcast. So they usually stay for a few episodes and then they leave, which, hey, more power to you. I don't control you and I'm not trying to control you. Uh, participating is optional and I still respect him and love them all dearly, except for one person, but we're not going to talk about her. And if you want to come through more often, that's cool too. Or hell, if you need help with something in the future with video editing or whatnot, or if there's something you want to try to, you know, put up on Spotify or something, feel free to look me up to help. You ain't got to pay me. You scratch my back, I scratch yours. All right, with that being said, I will see you guys next year. Ho, ho, ho. Take care.